you're listening to the Omega Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe to this channel to stay up to date with our latest teachings and feel free to reach out to us via our Facebook page or website. As you listen to this message, we pray God will reveal himself to you in a fresh way. Question is, what are we sowing into our life? What are we sowing into our life? Last week we, we did a study on Galatians chapter 5. Acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy. Drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. just whatever is there that is connected with flesh in your life come on it to leave you now come on to leave you now when we, when i call out this list of sins you say i command it out not necessarily we are all having all these kind of sins but we are corporately praying together we are praying so command it out to leave your life whatever sin is listed out as I, as i name it you say i will come i command it out sexual immorality i command it out impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions envy drunkenness orgies and the like i command you out every sin i command you out i command you out i command you out i command you to leave my people now in jesus mighty name every fetter be broken now in jesus mighty name every chain be broken now in jesus mighty name every chain be broken now in jesus mighty name loose those chains whatever is stopping you from following god whatever is stopping you from obeying god lose yourself from it break it break it break it say it with your mouth i break it down in jesus mighty name i break it down in jesus mighty name i break it down in jesus mighty name but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control as i call them out say holy spirit increase in me say holy spirit increase in me love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control father as we have made this proclamation Holy Spirit I pray that you will refresh your children right now let your glory come upon them let your glory come upon them let your glory come upon them I cover ourselves with the blood of Christ I cover every child here standing here oh god everybody who is present here I cover them with the blood of Christ I put the blood of Christ upon their spirit soul and body in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I bind the power of Satan principality of rulers of darkness every female spirit I bind in on Jesus name Every spirit that comes to kill, steal and destroy, I bind it on Jesus name. 
let my people go in Jesus' mighty name. I say, let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. To freedom he has chosen you. So be free in Jesus' mighty name. Roho shabaraste sakta barabarno. Roho bori bandaste samarasto kuroni. Lord Holy Ghost, I invite you now with come with power upon your children. Come Holy Ghost. 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 Let your glory come. 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 Touch them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord for ministering to us. You have said, O oh God, you are the one who is building this church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And every spirit that comes to kill, kill and destroy against Omega, I bind it on Jesus' name. I decree and declare that the church shall grow in Jesus' mighty name. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing your children today. Thank you for visiting us this morning, for refreshing us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Cool. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Great to see you this morning on this uh, not as rainy as I thought it was going to be morning. I'm pleasantly surprised. How's everyone doing after um, one hour less of sleep? Did anyone even notice? <laughs> we suddenly remembered at about 5 p.m. last night and went, mm, better not be late to church. <laughs> that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Cool. Um, hey, things look a little bit different again this morning, and um, we thank you for your patience, uh, obviously, as things keep moving with the alert levels, and we're kind of in this in-between of two and one, and I'm not too sure... We're just trying to figure out what that really means for us at church because we understand there's a few extra exemptions and things. So thank you for your grace and your patience there. Does anyone have anything that we can celebrate today? Any particular occasions of this week? No birthdays, anniversaries? No? All right. Next week I think we might be celebrating because there'll be a row down the back there who will have made their way through prelim exams and they will be very happy to see the end of those I'm sure. Cool. Hey um, just a couple of quick notices. Tomorrow night um, we'll continue on with our Monday night prayer night so meeting seven o'clock uh, one more Dow Street for those who can make it. Um, John and I were really sad to miss um, last week but we hear that it was a great time um, together of prayer and of um, continuing to grow and, and seeing what the Lord is showing. Also a reminder that this evening at 7pm um, the Alpha for Adults course is going to be starting so um, if you want to join or find out more um, either for yourself or for friends who might want to come um, you can talk to Seema about that. Cool. And I'll invite Ramana up as well as we pray for our tithes and offerings for the month uh, of September, end of September already. Maybe I can just leave it as soon, once you've finished with that prayer, Robin will come and do the scripture reading for us. Yeah, we praise God again for God's faithfulness uh, in providing for this month. And uh, particularly we thank those who are partnering with Omega's vision and uh, contributing liberally. We praise, uh, praise God for each one of you who are putting, uh, contributing to the Omega. 
So let's pray that uh, God will bless everybody who's contributing and multiply them. Father, we thank you again for your goodness and faithfulness. Lord, we worship you. We bless your name. We magnify your name. Oh Lord Father, Omega is not our church. It is your church. You planted this, put this lampstand in this place. And we worship you, Jesus. And the gates of hell shall not, will not prevail against it. Lord, I rebuke every power of the enemy. Right now, I sense that oppression of the enemy. I bind it on Jesus' mighty name. And I command you to leave this church now in Jesus' mighty name. Gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God, I thank you for your children who have uh, given liberally with all their heart. I pray, bless them. Give them back, O oh Father, shaken together, overflowing. Abundantly you provide, O oh God, Father. And help them to see your faithfulness. For you are a God who is no man's debtor. And we worship you, Jesus. And we bless each one. We bless each one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we bless their finances. We bless their career. We bless their future. We bless their families to the glory of your name. We worship you once again, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We are coming to the end of Galatians. <laughs> I don't know how long we took. 10 weeks, 12 weeks probably. But it was a life-transforming experience to me. I, I can say that studying Galatians was an awesome experience. So today we are into chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Now that's, when I was studying in the, the scripture, you know, when you read first time, second time, third time, it doesn't really hit you much. But as you meditate upon it, you know, that word really sinks into you. And then you see what a refreshing thoughts these are, you know. So, I had a great time studying those first few verses. Uh, first is writing to brothers. That means they're all who have believed in Jesus Christ. So not necessarily worldly people, not necessarily unsaved people. They're all saved people who knew the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, if someone is caught in a sin. Now, that, those words, when you look into the original, it's something like somebody is overtaken. The King James Version writes it as overtaken. Somebody is overtaken. Um, some other translations may say one is trapped. But that word, caught, has an element of surprise in it. Element of surprise. That means you are wanting to live for Christ. You want to be without sin. You want to live holy life. But then suddenly something surprising happens and you fall in sin. It's like a trap that just makes you fall. So element of surprise in it. And then the word sin, usually in the Greek used is hamartia. Hamartia is the word that is usually used. But here that is not the word used. Here the word sin uses paralambano. Paralambano is, um, again, um, it's just a simple slip. It is not necessarily intentional, one of those breaking of commandments like murder or uh, big kind of a sins, whatever we call them as big sins. It's not like that. It's something that you slip up and fall. But not necessarily that, but even sometimes you can use it even for gross sins also you can use it. But most of the time it is used only for some kind of a slipping up. And then here, 
Paul divides people into two categories. You who are spiritual should restore him gently. So there's those who are spiritual and those who have fallen into sin. The two categories of people. One is those who are, who are they? Spiritual. That means their eyes are fixed on Christ. Their heart is full of the teaching of the uh, teaching of Christ, and they are committed to follow Him. And they are not falling in sin. They are walking steadily, and they are mature or mature in their understanding of the gospel. And they are walking with Christ. They are spiritual. The Greek word used is pneumatikos. Those who are spiritual, those who are connected with the Spirit, and those who have fallen into the sin. But how should we correct them? Correct him gently. Restore him gently. The word restore is used for if somebody breaks a bone, what do you do? You take care of it gently. You put a piece of wood or something so the bones do not move and then you bandage it, you know, so that it will join together again. That word restore is used for joining of the bones, broken bones. That word restore is used for mending of nets. The fishermen, when they have a net, they cast it in the sea to catch fish. If there's a hole in the net, you think they are going to catch fish? The fish will escape from the hole. So they have to mend it. They have to stitch it together again. The word restore is, to, is used in that sense. So here, we have to do a lot of restoration work in the church. We have to restore. We have to stitch up those who, those who are experiencing something like a, a broken net or somebody who's going through a broken bone kind of a thing. We have to restore. When they're going through an experience of being broken, we have to use gentleness and love to restore them. And the word sin is unintentionally falling into it. It's an unintentional error. That means it's not intentional. They are not saying, now I'm going to tell a lie. They are not saying, I'm going to now commit this adultery. I'm not going to, I'm not going, I'm going to um, steal. They are not going to saying, I'm going to do it. It is something that happens by surprise. That happens by surprise. So, si similar kind of things are addressed in the scripture elsewhere. Example, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Accept one, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not eat, treat with contempt the one who eats, uh, who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. So here again, Paul is taking an example of um, meat offered to idols, and he says, don't eat it, but then if somebody eats nothing, idol is nothing, and by prayer you give thanks and you eat it, that's fine. At the same time, there's somebody who is having a weak conscience. He says, no, I don't want to eat the meat, I eat only vegetables, that's fine. But let not the one who wants to, who wants to eat vegetables condemn the one who's eating the meat sold in the market. Or let not the one who is eating the meat boldly, without feeling any conscience problems of conscience, condemn the one who is eating vegetables. That means there are two different ways of following God, but you need to know what is comfortable to you. you your conscience has to be clear. That means 
these are the things which are not very important moral obligations, like telling the truth, immorality, sexual um, purity. We are not trying to talk about those kind of things. Food is not a very important issue. You think meat is fine, you eat meat. If you think vegetables is fine, you eat vegetables. Don't condemn each other. That's what he says. So if somebody falls into that kind of a thing, you have to correct them gently. You have to bring them back into the kind of a thing. The same way in Romans 15, he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. So this is again the emphasis is, as the Lord's teaching says, love your neighbor as yourself and you do good to them. So this is what summing up basically. What Paul is trying to say is, life is not lived making you the center of the world. Make someone else the center of the world. Live for them. You know, this is a diametrically opposite way of thinking. Think about the slogan, America first. It's full of selfishness, I would say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying countries should not think about their own good. They should think about their good, but it's very selfish. You can't be selfish like that. What if you have the gospel of Christ dominating your heart and your mind and your life, it should be someone else should be the center of your life. You should care for them. You should build them. You should love them. You should protect them. You should help them. This is Christian life. We are born with the selfishness. <clears throat> but when you come to Christ, he sets you free from selfishness and makes you outwardly concerned about other people. No, that is the gospel, basically. If someone says gospel is all about loving yourself, that's not the gospel. The gospel is about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. <clears throat> so Paul is again re-emphasizing the same kind of a truth. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, uh, again uh, Paul talks about uh, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since, you are, since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Now, what is Paul trying to say in these verses is, there are different kinds of Christians. One who is mature, the one who is like an infant. You know, the nepios is the word, Greek word. Uh, one who is infant. And Paul says, I am feeding you with milk, not solid food. I am not able to give you meat because you are not grown up in your understanding. So if, if we are like that, it's time for us to grow. How do you grow? One of the basic ways you can grow is by reading the word. I tell you, I have decided to read the word every day as many chapters as possible. I put a limit of 16 chapters a day. If I read eight, I'm happy about it still. But I put a target of 16 chapters. I tell you, it is so amazing to read in one sitting entire book. For example, book of Romans. You take chapter by chapter, verse by verse, you study, that's good. But give one, one big reading. In one sitting, you finish it. It may be difficult to finish Isaiah in one sitting, 66 chapters. But many other books you can read in that way in one, one sitting. 
So if you read that, you have a panorama, panoramic view of the word. And the way as I, was, I read through Romans, and um, um, I read through the Gospels, and I tell you, the freshness of the word was very, very, I mean, what I could not think before, suddenly it pops up. Oh, does this mean this? So fill yourself with the word, and that is how you can grow, because that's the primary way to grow. Most essential way to grow is by reading the word, feeding on the word. Secondly, by prayer. Prayer is not just giving a list to God, but you have communion with God, communion with the Father, communion with the Son, communion with the Holy Spirit. You have to enjoy the presence of God. That is prayer. If you are feeling tired, if you're feeling bored, if you're feeling distracted, if you feel you're not able to concentrate on God, you're not praying yet. You're not praying it. You would have spent 15 minutes on your knees, 30 minutes on your knees, but you still are thinking about what should be the breakfast for tomorrow, or what will my son do for the examination. You are not praying. Whenever you're distracted by different thoughts, remember, you're not praying yet. So when, would, when do you pray? When you begin to enjoy talking to God. When you begin to say, oh God, I so much love to be in this place. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. You know, that is when you begin to pray. When you enjoy the presence of God. When you enjoy talking to him. And then God begins to speak to you. That is the time you know that you are really praying. Last night I did a lot of study and all that. When I begin to pray, the way God speaks is amazing. So what, what was God telling me last night? He showed me a glimpse of heaven, in the sense not literally a vision or anything. But I remembered the words. It says, the names of the apostles were written on the, on the gates of heaven. Twelve gates, twelve apostles. And the twelve tribes of Israel, their names were written on the foundation stones. Sorry. On the foundation stones was written the apostles' name. And on the gates were written the twelve tribes' names. What an amazing thing. That spoke about God's love and mercy so much to me. Heaven is full of mercy. Heaven is full of love. Heaven is full of acceptance. Look at those 12 characters, the 12 tribes of, uh, heads of the 12 tribes. Not one is perfect except Joseph. Everybody has committed sin. All of them conspired together against the brother and put them into the pit. They are almost like murdered him. But their names are written upon the gates of heaven. And look at the apostles. Some of the apostles' names you never heard. Of the twelve, how many you hear? Peter you hear, John you hear, James you hear, you know. And some of the ones come later on, Paul and Barnabas. But many apostles' names you never hear. But the names are written upon the foundation stones. I said, Lord, I thank you. I may live and die insignificant person. No one may appreciate me. No one may praise me. No one may look up to me. No one may say good things about me. But my name is written in heaven. I thank you very much. And I tell you, when you think of heaven, you will be comforted. When you think of heaven, you will be encouraged. When you think of heaven, that is the place where mercy and love flows. Every brick, every brick, don't think it's made of gold or something like that. It oozes of God's mercy, God's love. Wherever you touch in heaven, it talks God's love. Whatever you, you touch the road, you touch the flower, you touch the plant, you touch anything, the wall, the brick, it will talk of God's love and mercy, nothing else. 
everything will flow. See, this is what its revelation is all. It comes so spontaneously, lifts your spirit up. And that's what revelation is all about. It's not trying to get thoughts that are not in the Bible. It is the Bible becomes fresh to you. It comes with new power. It is amazing. It's amazing. So I was thinking about, again, what did Jesus Christ himself say? So that, again, you find it in Matthew chapter 18. He says there, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Have nothing to do with them. Disconnect yourself from them. That is how Jesus himself taught about how to correct a brother. So there is a place, but I, in all these things, Paul says is you do with gentleness. Restore them, restore the person gently. Not to be done harshly, but gently, in love, in mercy. Why? Because Paul says, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. When you go and point out with your finger against somebody, hey, you have done this. Remember, somebody says like this, you know, when you do like this, one finger points, but three others fingers point at you. So, you have to be careful because you may fall into the same sin. You need to be careful. You must, with fear and trembling, correct people because you may end up doing the same thing tomorrow. With that fear, you have to do it. And Paul says you have to be gentle. Watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Now the burdens there in verse 2 and also there's another word in verse 5. Uh, it says, for each one should carry his own load. It is not the same Greek word used again. The burden is unbearable burden. When somebody is carrying unbearable burden, you go along and give them a helping hand. When they're going through struggles, they're going through tension, when they're going through so much of internal turmoil, you go along and lift them up and comfort them, encourage them, strengthen them. Let not that load crush. In the Old Testament, when you see your neighbor's donkey is down because of a lot of load, and that belongs to your enemy, even then you will not walk away. You will go and help and raise that animal up, even though it belongs to your enemy. That is the commandment. So that means what? From the beginning, God has kept this in, in his heart. Does he really care only for the animals, the donkey? No. His concern is about your neighbor who is your enemy. His donkey has fallen down. Don't walk away. Stop and help the animal up. And by doing that, in fact, you may patch up with your neighbor who is your enemy. The whole purpose is to restore, restore, restore. That's the word. And I was thinking about all these things in my mind. It, the story of David came into my mind. When, he was, when the kings go to war, he was napping at home when his army was fighting the um, enemies. And then he gets up and walks on the roof of the house and he sees somebody taking bath and he, he was attracted. And what he does is he sends somebody and says, 
find out who it is. They come back. Ishinat Bathsheba, wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite is not a simple man. He was one among the 30 of his mighty I mean, uh, people of valor and strength, and one of the heroes, a batch of 30 people. He belonged to that batch. So he's not an insignificant um, character in his kingdom. But even though he was told that is Bathsheba, wife of Uriah the Hittite, he did not stop. That also means Bathsheba was the daughter of Ahithophel's son's daughter. That is Ahithophel's granddaughter. After giving that information, David should have stopped there, but he did not. And he says, go and get her. And then she sends a message, I'm pregnant. And then to cover it up, he sends Uriah into the war, puts him in a wrong place uh, where the enemy is going to attack and gets him killed. And he becomes a murderer, an adulterer, and a double com I mean, commits two kinds of sin for which there's no forgiveness except death. But God sends a prophet Nathan, and when he repented, he says, you will not die. You will not be put to death. Your sin is forgiven. What am I trying to say here? This sin that, that is people who are overtaken, people who are surprised by the sin, they are, they are very flimsical kind of a sins. It is not, uh, not like what David did. David did was contemplated. He was, it, he was uh, uh, more focused on doing it. And if he knew that Ahithophel is the one whose advice was taken like an advice of God, whatever he says, it is, it is done in the kingdom. And if he was having a relationship with Ahithophel, so strong a relationship, how dare he touch his granddaughter? So what he did was not a simple mistake. It was not a, um, something he did emotionally. It was not a trap. It wasn't something, but it was more contemplated. He knew what he was doing. And if Ahithophel's granddaughter, it must be a very, very young lady compared to David's own age. He, she should be like a daughter. But this man, he did the sin. And what happened? Ahithophel didn't leave it there. He kept quiet for the right opportunity. And then when Absalom was turning against him, he, he advised him, made him go with his own concubines on the rooftop of the palace. And then when David was fleeing, he said, I will take the men. I know this man, how he fights wars. I know how he sleeps. I know where he sleeps. I will go and get him. I'll catch him. I'll bring him here. And David cried out when he heard about it. Lord, turn Ahithophel's advice into foolishness. God answered that one sentence prayer of David. Otherwise, David would have been a dead man against Ahithophel. So sometimes when you are not falling into this kind of a simple sin, but more contemplated, more that you wanted, you want, we want to commit sin, we plan it, we execute it with precision. I tell you, even then, God's mercy will come to our rescue if we have a repentant heart. But otherwise, even, I mean, even if we go through that, we will have to go through the consequence of our action. Whatever we do, we are going to be. That's why the next verse, I mean, in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So what you sow into your life is more important. What you sow into your life is more important. How do you order your life? 
what is your object what is your goal what is the purpose of your existence you need to be very purposeful and then you can avoid sin like a plague run away from it hate it run away from it otherwise we are going to fall into it that's that's what it is all about and then he says if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself now who to about whom is he talking is he talking about the one who is spiritual or is he talking about the one who fell into sin because there are two people already we said in this verse who is he talking about if he is talking about the one um, uh, who is spiritual it talks about presumption on the part of the person he says if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself so we need to have a proper understanding ourselves who we are you should know who you are so that you can deal with others in the right way if you don't know who we are we are going to deal in the wrong way with the other people so that is a warning for us each one should test his own actions then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else for each one should carry his own load what is he trying to say here then he take and take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else so when we live don't compare your life with someone else like the pharisees prayer i am not like so and so i am not like so and so i am not like so i give tithe i do this i pray god said that prayer is not accepted but the other one who cries out god i dare not look up to you i am a sinner have mercy upon me he went home justified so we need to be careful how we pray and then each one should carry his own load so what is he trying to see mean by this when our life is all run out when we run our life when we finish our course and there is a set time when god we are going to appear before the judgment seat of christ and when we stand before the judgment seat of christ books of life are going to be opened and our life is going to be read what we have done in our life is going to be read out and will be judged according to what we have done so the load you carry is the works that you have done in this life and everybody has to carry his own load you will not carry your wife's load you will not carry your son's load you will not carry anybody else's load you will carry your own load you will stand there naked before god because your works will be exposed by the book but if you believe in jesus god will never remember that again if you believe in jesus your sins are forgiven you will never remember them again but there will be judgment even for the believers it doesn't mean believers will go scot free that's the reason why paul elsewhere talks about i have laid the foundation like a wise builder let each one build carefully with what he builds because whatever you use to build on that whether it is cement or stones or wood or precious metals or whatever you use it will be tested by fire and when it stands you will get a reward for it when it is burnt up all the reward goes but yourself will be saved barely you make it into heaven barely make it into heaven so that's the reason why we have to have this fear about our life with fear and trembling we need to look forward to be saved we are already saved when you believe in jesus but there is one more salvation that is escaping from the hell fire and being going to be with in heaven forever with god and being rewarded for our actions that is yet to happen so we have sal- we are already saved we are going to be saved but we need to continue in faith with humility and with fear and trembling working out our own salvation and then 
Paul gives many other instructions in it. But few things I want to highlight so that we can say we have completed chapter 6. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. I try to I mean, understand why he used large letters in a letter. This is Galatians letter. With his own hand, he has written large letters, he says. So what does he mean by it? People think that, oh, Paul always had problems with his eyesight. So he could not read small letters. And when he wrote, he wrote them very, very big letters he wrote. That's one of the things people say. But I don't go with it. I don't go with it. For simple reason, when he was in the Philippian jail, in that night when they were singing, when the earthquake came and the fetters fell down and the doors were flung open, the jailer wanted to take his life. He took the sword and he was about to plunge into himself. Paul, in the darkness, he shouts to the jailer, says, don't harm yourself, we are all here. If he had any problem with the eyesight, how can he see in the dark that the jailer is going to commit suicide? He cannot. I don't go with that at all. When God explained that to me, I said, hmm, he had never had problem with his eyesight. So what does it mean? It means, usually, when you, when you read the book of Romans, someone else wrote for him. He was a scribe writing the letter for him. But Paul would just use few few words in the end just to make it legal. That the rest of, the, I agree that the, all these things have been dictated by me, it's been written according to what I wanted to write, it's been written, and here I add my few lines in my own handwriting. By doing that, he's, he's testifying the whole epistle he wrote being sent is his authorship. So you add, I don't know what to use the word, addendum, the English word, you know, something you add at the end and say, certify the whole thing. So what is he trying to do is, all this letter has been written in my own handwriting, large letters I'm using, to, for emphasis, for emphasis. He uses large letters for emphasis. I tell you, Galatians is the first epistle that is ever written. First epistle. The thoughts of Galatians has been enlarged, amplified, more, made more vivid, explained more beautifully in the book of Romans and in the book of Ephesians and Colossians. So Galatians, then Colossians, and then Romans and Ephesians. The thoughts are in germane form or like a seed form. He has explained quite a lot in the book of Galatians, but he further explains more beautifully in the book of Romans and, um, and in Colossians, Colossians and in Ephesians. So what you have learned in Galatians will be a foundation to understand the book of Romans better and the Ephesians and the Colossians and the book of Hebrews. And so this is very important. That's the reason why we have dealt with book of Galatians now. What am I going to do next? I'm yet to think about it. I'm going to ask God again, what do you want me to teach? So it's going to be crucial for me next uh, few days to decide what I'm going to teach. And um, other things that we need to understand here is, he says he has been fighting these Judaizers who are going after people to get them circumcised. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. If you do it, you have to keep the whole law. So many things we already have talked about it. But here again, he summarizes and says, not everyone, even those who are circumcised, obey the law. Yet they want to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. 
may i never boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ through which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world what beautiful words can we say this i'm 100% sure none of us can say this we are not crucified to the world yet the world is not crucified to us yet basically he's saying i am dead to the world i am dead to the world if paul lived today in these times and he had to be truthfully saying these words what kind of paul you will see when you bump into him do you think he is going to spend night times watching netflix he has said world is dead to me i am dead to the world do you think he is going to spend time speculating on the stock market if he is dead to the world what is, how, how, what will be the lifestyle of paul if he is dead to the world will he be going through the uh, every magazine that is available buy and go through and devour the images and stuff that is written in the magazines what kind of paul you are going to see it is amazing when i tell you you know when they talk about paul they talk about 4x triple x 2x 1x and all. every newspaper also has paul in it every newspaper you look at the newspaper they will talk about certain things to make people buy the newspaper or read the articles most of them you know they focus on even the beauty pageants they they just show more beauty of the people why to satisfy the lust of the eyes to ap- appeal to the lust of the eyes and somebody will say look so and so is wearing so and so dress and the internet is set on fire <laughs> i read those words as what is what do they mean what you know and recently i made a decision when i see something that i will not read it i will not read it why i need to protect my eyes from this useless filthy stuff that is going to defile me it is newspaper i am not talking about porn magazine is newspaper in the newspaper so much is exposed enough to defile our heart and our minds so that is where if you are dead to the world and the world is dead to you you will be a different person you will be different the holy spirit is burning inside me as i'm speaking these words my heart has become warm i can feel the warmth of it holy spirit saying that is true that is true that is true you have to guard your eyes because what you allow your eyes to see is going to affect your heart you cannot read the newspaper like that and next moment go into the presence of god and sing hallelujah to him think about it when you read the newspaper the articles in it you next question you ask is if i read this can i worship god after i finish this if you think you cannot don't read it it is available free on the net but you will say i will not defile myself so when paul says i have been crucified to the world the world has been crucified to me i tell you today if paul came into the world what would he be concerned about in one place he says i have i don't own a house and he says 
I am not married. I am not eligible to have a wife. Can I not have a wife like Peter has, or the apostles had, or the Lord's brothers have? But yet I will not go for it, he says. Why? That I may love this Christ with all my heart. That I may serve this Christ with all my heart. You know, this, this, this Paul, when he says, the world has been dead, he is dead to me, and I am dead to the world, he is just living barely for his existence. If he has enough to eat tomorrow, he will not think about one week later. He will not think about going to the five-star hotels. He will not think about building a house on the island. He will not think about flying first class. No, this Paul is focused on Christ and nothing else. The world is dead to me, and I am dead to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is the new creation. Everybody say the word new creation. What counts is new creation. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. God has made your spirit new. But what is not new is your body is not new. Your soul is not new. Your spirit is new, brand new. It was going to hell. The moment you believe, God puts life upon it. It was dead. But when you believe in Jesus, you are raised with the power of resurrection. That's the new creation. But what you need to do is, you need to renew this soul. You need to renew this body. You need to renew this soul. That's the reason why Romans chapter 12 says, and chapter one, uh, 12 verses 1 and 2 says, Offer yourself as living sacrifices, renewing your mind. Renew your mind. That you have to put an effort. If you are dead to the world and your world is dead to you, your mind will be renewed. You'll put an effort to renew your mind. You'll put an effort to renew your mind. I tell you, this physical body also, you need to renew it. You have to work at it. Otherwise, it will go down, down, down every day. So there is a place for exercise, but not to become Mr. Universe. There is a place for everything in moderation, in moderation, not to flexing muscles. Uh, we are not going to go into um, in a boxing competition or anything like that. But you need to have good health. You need to work at it. But when you believe in Jesus, your spirit is a new creation. You are a newly created spirit, destined to heaven, not to hell. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. We, we have not much time to go into it, but what does Paul mean by this? Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Are we becoming the Israel of God? Or we are all new creation, and Israel itself will also need it, and that Israel will be Israel of God. Paul has a way of, when you read Paul, you are looking at a rope. And you untangle the strands in it. Three, four strands makes one rope. So many times we miss the strands, we only get the rope. And I tell you, the more you read the epistles, the more you are overheard by this man called Paul and his understanding of the gospel.
it just blows my mind. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Such are those things that God has kept in store for those who love him. And I said, he's talking about the, he's talking about the gospel which no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, it has not entered into the heart of man. That's the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. So many times we talk about it, apply it to the revelation in general. Maybe revelation about what is going to happen in America, what's going to happen in New Zealand in future. We think this is what God has kept in store. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No, it applies to the gospel. The uniqueness of the gospel. As I'm reading the epistles, he, he has not left even one stone unturned. He has not left even one stone unturned. He says, in uh, Romans he says, if you are saved by the death of Christ, how much more by his resurrection you'll be saved more by his life because he's seated by the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for you. He's living for you. How much more you'll live, how much more you'll be saved because Christ has risen from the dead. How many of us are focused on the resurrected Christ? So many times we focus on Christ who died for us. But I tell you, that's only until you are saved. After you are saved, your focus should not be anymore on Christ on the cross, but Christ who is seated by the right hand of the Father, who is making intercession for you day and night. You may be sleeping. He's praying for you. He's making intercession for you. If he is alive, you can face tomorrow. You can face tomorrow because he's alive. You can face tomorrow. And I tell you what an amazing, the more you think about Christ and what he has done for you, it just blows our mind, blows our mind. So may God help us from falling into the surprise kind of sin. You're not prepared for it. You're walking, you slip and fall. But if you are walking carefully, you will not slip. If there is a ditch, you don't go as if there is no ditch. Because you are going to fall there, you will hurt yourself. So let us ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to empower us so that we may walk without faltering. We may walk without falling into ditch. That he may highlight that there is a ditch on the way. That he may highlight there is a stone in the way. That we are going to kick into it. So that way, we will be saved. We will be saved. As surely as Jesus is living by the right hand of the Father, if we are born again by the Holy Spirit, if you are born again by His, uh, redeemed by His blood, justified by His blood, justified by His resurrection, surely we will also make it in this world. Surely we will make it to the world, in, in this world and reach the destination that is in Christ's heart, in His mind. Surely you will not miss it. And one concluding thought I want to say and finish it. In Luke chapter 22, Christ says, Simon, Simon, Satan asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. The situation is similar to the book of Job, where Satan goes into the presence of God, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, what is so special about Job? You have put a hedge around him, 
you are protecting him you are blessing him so he loves you he worships you take away the protection he will curse you to your face god says okay go everything that he has i you can touch but don't touch him don't touch him so in one day he loses everything his children property everything he goes in one day just in one day everything and again when satan comes have you considered my servant job you you have incited me without any justification but yet he remains faithful skin for skin teeth for teeth you touch his flesh he will curse you to your face he says okay do whatever you can do but you cannot kill him so he puts all kinds of skin problems on his body head to toe he was sitting on an ash heap covered with sackcloth when he want to scratch himself with a pot shirt a piece of pot there's no sound place where he can scratch and the wife comes and tells curse god and die it's better for you to die curse god and die and he says you are a foolish woman can you receive only good things from god and not bad things from god and he restrained himself from cursing god at the end god blessed job everything twice everything you look at the number of camels before and the number of camels afterwards number of donkeys before number of donkeys everything double the same situation is here satan says i want to lick up every apostle every disciple and christ said i have prayed for you that your faith will not fail do you think he is doing anything different than what he did when he was on earth for simon by the right hand of the father jesus christ is praying that your faith will not fail your faith will not fail because jesus is praying for you day and night your faith will not fail your faith will not fail because he is praying for you be assured about it be strong about it be convinced about it be rooted in it be built on that fact that he is praying for you and your faith cannot fail Satan come and can come against you as he came against Job but his prayers are the wall that protect you Jesus prayers are the ones that is around you a wall impenetrable by the enemy Satan cannot shake you he cannot touch you because Jesus prayers are a wall around you Question is are we in a situation where we need to turn back like Simon if it is in that place let us turn back to him now let us turn our hearts back to jesus and follow him let us turn back to him and follow him let us not deny christ as peter denied and when peter denied it was that unexpected thing he did he was just warming himself by the fire and that was lady was walking by the girl walking by looks at me hey peter i know you are with christ he said no i am not and he wanted to go away from the place he comes to the gate and there was a lady standing there surely you are a galilean your accent gives away and he says i don't know what you are saying i don't know who this man is i don't know i don't know by a curse he disconnected himself with christ three times when he does it and the rooster was crowing a second time then he remembered 
and he went away sad and repented for what he has done. But King David, he planned it. He desired it. He pursued it. He made a miscalculation of Avithophel's power. He made a miscalculation about everything and he fell into the sin. It was not something a trap for him. So may the Lord deliver us from all kinds of sin because he's seated by the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Shall we pray? Sharaka Vasukuruni, Mahasaraste Kireni, Rahana Mando Surosuko Suburoni, Shakara Thandere Sekireni, Manaraka Sandaro, Bori Shakanasto Sakuroni Stekireni, Rohoshe Sharaste Barano Mandasto, Serehe Sande Sektara Rohoborondo Suburoni, Shakabara Vasukuroni. The Lord says, I love you. I've written your name on the palm of my hand. I've inscribed your name on the palm of my hand, says the Lord. Sharabana Sandara Vasari Sastakuruno. Rosha Bohostakuroni. Sahastakuroni. Like Paul says, what can separate from his love? Can death, can angels, can demons, can anything separate you from the love of God? Nothing can separate you from his love. That love is that is strong like death. It, that love is the one that is pursuing you. That love is the one that is really wanting you to walk with him. Just to tell him, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I want to obey you. I want to honor you in my life. The Lord says, don't grow tired when you are fighting your battles. Because I am going to strengthen you with my strength. My spirit will strengthen you in your battle against the enemy. Do not grow weary. Do not get tired, says the Lord. Father, I thank you. I bless your name. Magnify your name. I worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Rabara sakire bandaro, mahasara bandaras to sektorono, rihashya stebere sekireni, roho bosi bahasakuroni, samara sektokuroni. Lord, let your word strengthen us in a new way this morning. And our God, Father, deliver us from falling into small sins, big sins, every kind of sin. Help us run away from it. Deliver us. Help us to correct our, our neighbors, our brothers, with love, with fear and trembling. And let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Oh God, I pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done to the glory of your name. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name, magnify your name. Thank you, thank you, thank you for speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.